You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the season five Doctor Who animated reconstruction, The Abominable Snowman. Episode synopsis. Help us all. Here we go. In the Himalayas, at a mountain camp, a strange creature enters the camp and leaves one man dead. Shortly thereafter, somewhere else on the mountain, the TARDIS arrives. The Doctor has come here apparently intentionally, to return a sacred ganta, or bell, as Jamie calls it, to the nearby monastery. He expects a warm welcome from the monks, but when he spies a monstrous footprint in the snow, he instructs Jamie and Victoria to remain in the TARDIS while he continues on. Of course, they don't stay, and the doctor doesn't get a warm welcome at the monastery. He is accused of killing one of the mountaineers and some of the monks. Travers, the surviving mountaineer, who is on an expedition to find the legendary Yeti, assumes the doctor killed his companion. In the mountains, Jamie and Victoria find a cave, which is really more of a mine. Inside, they find a stacked pyramid of spheres, just as a Yeti follows them into the mine. Jamie thinks he dispatches it by collapsing the roof on it, but still it lives. They hastily retreat from the cave with one of the spheres. Tisong, chief warrior monk, has more or less convinced the other monks to go along with his plan to tie the doctor up outside and wait for his confederates, the Yeti, to rescue him. However, if they attack and kill him, it will prove his innocence. Before he's taken outside, he manages to get the Ganta to Tomni, a sympathetic young warrior monk, who takes it to the abbot. Both Tomni and the abbot are bid to converse with the master of the monastery, Padmesambhava, who seemingly knows the doctor. Tomney's memory of this meeting is wiped, and the order is given to release the doctor. Jamie and Victoria meet Travers on the mountain and convince him that the doctor isn't a newspaper man trying to beat him to the discovery or a killer, and so he takes them to the monastery. With a plan by Jamie, the monks are able to capture the Yeti, but it dies as they try to subdue it. The doctor examines the Yeti and reveals it is a robot. Unknown to them, a control sphere was knocked from the robot during the capture. Equally unknown to them, the similar sphere that Jamie brought to the monastery begins to beat and move on its own. Krisong locks everyone in the monastery for their own safety, but Travers sneaks out and goes in search of the cave Jamie and Victoria described. The doctor convinces Krisong to go outside and look for the control sphere, which he thinks must have been knocked loose during the capture. Krisong finds it, but the Yeti attack and take it back. It becomes clear that Padma Sambhava is under the influence of an alien intelligence and has been so for a very long time. He, in turn, controls the actions of the abbot, and he sends him to the cave with a pyramid to activate something. A patrol of Yeti escort him. The doctor and Jamie also leave the monastery to collect a device from the TARDIS to use to get a bearing on the Yeti's control signal. In the monastery, the missing sphere hops into the dormant Yeti, and it comes to life while Victoria watches in horror. With the help of Tomney, Victoria escapes the Yeti, and then the Yeti escapes the monastery. Unfortunately, some monks think Victoria caused the Yeti to come back to life, so they lock her up. Travers has spied the abbot and the Yeti, and when they leave the cave, he enters, only to see an alien life form beginning to expand out beyond the completed pyramid. He manages to escape the cave. 
Padmasambhava orders the monastery evacuated. He wants no humans around for the invasion. Kusong ignores the order and will stand to fight with his warrior monks. Victoria escapes to try to see Padmasambhava, and she does, but she's hypnotized by him. Travis is returned, but he cannot remember what happened to him. The abbot lets the yeti in so they can trash the place and drive the monks out. The doctor figures out that the control signal is coming from within the monastery and that it is coming from the inner sanctum of Padmasambhava. Chrisong confronts him and the abbot is forced to kill him. The monks leave, but the doctor and a crack team of stragglers stay behind to destroy Padmasambhava's control system. When they succeed, the yetis all collapse and Padmasambhava is freed from the control of the great intelligence. He thanks the doctor and his 200-year-old body dissolves. Returning to the TARDIS, Jamie requests they go somewhere warm. Just as they spy a real Yeti, Travers leaves them to pursue the elusive beast. The end. So, by some accounts, the final Doctor Who animation that they're planning yeah. on doing. We've, we've been here before, haven't we? We've, we have. I forget which one it was now, but we, we definitely reviewed the final animation <laughs> last time. Yeah, so I've still got my... I've got my hopes up. I have my hopes up for the Celestial Toymaker for next year. I don't think you're going to get any more animations as soon as that. I have, I have no doubt that, that we will be doing some, we will be reviewing some more animations. You know, having been through this once now, I can't believe that it won't happen, that there will be more animations in the future. But I, I don't know how long it'll be. We can talk about it in the future, but we've we've been here before and we've been like, I wish I had a list in front of me of what has and hasn't been done and what's left. And I have it in front of me this time. I compiled it this morning so we can talk about where they stand and how ridiculous it is for them not to finish at least a couple more here and there. But <laughs> no, I mean, totally in the rumors realm, there's been some vaguely interesting sounding rumor that that. Russell T. Davies wants to have something planned for the Celestial Toymaker. And if they do that, that seems like a logical tie-in. And and I... RTD is big about the, you know, I mean, he, we never had, one thing about him, we never had it so good with the whole, you know, interlocking Doctor Who universe kind of thing. So I don't disbelieve the rumor about the Celestial Toymaker for a second, but the, whether it's logical for them to do it and whether they actually do it, I mean, logic doesn't play as nearly a bigger role as whether they have the budget to make it and so forth. And you could equally make the argument that when the snowmen and the 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 name of the doctor, I think it was, yeah, were yeah. made, that that would make that would be a logical time for them to reanimate the great intelligence stories. But obviously, we've had to wait a bit longer than that. Was that, did we even have Web of Fear back when that one came out? Uh, yeah. We, uh, yes, he said confidently. I think we did. <laughs> See, I'm not sure. And I, and I know that was, that's so far back we're talking about, we might be talking about the, the invasion and the reign of terror, which, you know, appear to be very much more expensive animation projects. Uh, the technology has moved on since then also the list is is getting short web, web of fear 13. was actually it was rediscovered just over a year after the snowmen so 
Yeah, okay, fair point. They might have done a lot of animation that they needn't have bothered with. Yeah, um, although they're still doing a lot of animation they needn't bother with because they are making the animations complete now instead of partials. But anyway, uh, I thought this time we'd start talking a little bit about the animation because there are two things that really, well, I have a couple things on the animation, but, um, you know, the big one that stands out is eh, it's the same. It, I mean, I don't see this stands out in any way, shape, or form as an improvement or a detraction from the last few not web of, web of fear notwithstanding. Okay, well, I don't. I think web of fear notwithstanding is an odd thing. I I don't really, in retrospect, understand what was going on with web of fear because it is no. so different from everything else. That in the sense that they animated one episode out of six, and obviously. It's slightly different from the other ones that they've still got to do in the sense that they already kind of filled all the little gaps and this was just a a hangover in that respect. So it would have been a bit strange to do all six episodes. But nevertheless, the fact that they were doing just one episode and the fact that it was connected to the Abominable Snowmen, you Mm -hmm. know, by virtue of the the returning villain villains, made me think that the reason they'd just done one out of six like that was because they were using basically the the kind of same run of animation that they were using for doing the abominable snowmen so i was fairly convinced we were going to get something that used the 3d animation techniques that we saw for web of fear for the abominable snowmen whereas in fact we got something that was very much the kind of same 2d tradition as previous well both mm-hmm. previous you know charles norton power of the daleks and their successor type animation but of course this was made by big finnish productions and so i guess comparable to uh what was the previous one they did fury from the deep fury from the deep i think i think um over which i would actually say it is a marked improvement i would say it's it's getting to be on a par with those those charles norton ones well or, um mm. Anne marie walsh i should say all right well i mean i didn't it didn't you know, it's it's what I have come to expect. I I was hoping beyond hope that it wasn't the Web of Fear style animation, if it's continued to be done the way it was done in Web of Fear. I, I you know, I, I, I would take I, it I know. and I'd be happy with it. But I think, and I think it comes well, back yeah, to they I needed to give much better acting. That that's that's kind of that's kind of my question. Would 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 people take it? Because my and again, this is entirely speculative. I have no knowledge on the the costs or the mm. the the kind of the the thinking behind the way that they animated web of fear but given the difference from the abominable snowman given the fact that it was a one-off i can't help wondering if it was a pilot of a cheaper form of animation and yeah you know at the time we discussed this we didn't know that the this series of animations was coming to an end now we do it's perfectly possible that they were using this new style which you know the the reason that they managed to find a budget for all these other animations was because they were selling them to bbc america and part of the uh the business plan around that was doing the complete serial animations because that was that was what they wanted to show on that channel and it's the cancellation of that that's brought the brought this series to an end and of course the web of fear wouldn't have had that attraction for for bbc america so i was i was thinking now in retrospect 
maybe what was going on with the Web of Fear was they were using an animation technique that was much, much cheaper. And they were sort of doing some acceptance testing to see if they did these very cheap animations, would the fans go for it? Would they would they buy it? And obviously it went down like a cold cup of sick and they probably thought, no, it's 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 better not to animate them. At I all. I wonder. I mean, I I wonder about I mean, clearly the online reaction was very poor. I didn't like it, but it would not stop me from buying. Right. I mean, there's there's a but lot they will of know whether it did out... stop people from buying. Right. I, I know. And, and, sales on this. and that's a good question, too. I mean, how many people bought the Web of Fear not that long ago, like me, on DVD and then bought it or bought it in iTunes, then bought it on DVD, then, you know, bought this one? I don't know. I, I really don't know. As you say, it's a weird one. There was so much hype about the Web of Fear being found. Right. That that possible that just anyone that had any interest in it already bought it and they're all kind of going i'll wait till the season box set comes out because they're doing those now and they'll put the animation in there it's possible i i don't know i think it's i think as a pilot program if that's all they're going to do is one they probably and that particular story that was probably not a good choice i think they should have gone with say something that hasn't been released Something that's only got one or two episodes missing. Um, Underwater Menace, no. <laughs> but yeah, it. it I don't know, I'd but I mean, I can have like, the Underwater Menace. But I, I have to say, I would I, be happy for I, them I, to do the Underwater Menace. But you know, let's face it, people did buy that one in recreation form, and boy, did they get burned because wow, it's awful. But um, and I, I have dreams that it might be acceptable someday if they fixed it up. But as it stands, it's just unwatchable so there, there were a couple things that i thought were that i wanted to bring up about the animation we discussed this on uh, the faceless ones where i was looking at the animations for stories that i had not bothered to look up you know i i want to watch them like oh i this, i mean I've, yes i've read the stories many years ago i'm sure if it's a target novelization and I knew something about it, but by the time we reach these episodes, I've they're, they're pretty much gone. So, and I don't watch recreations normally and I don't care about the telesnaps and, and whatnot. So, you know, I'm watching the faceless ones pretty much cold. And the fact that I could recognize several actors from their animations, I assume combined with their voices was, I thought very impressive. Okay. And I know we talked about that. I want to point out that, I was, in fact, able to identify Trisong by his voice when I heard something he said, and I'm like, Hieronymus! Got it! I can identify this person. But you'd never get it from the animations of them. And I wanted your thoughts on how they have sort of undone, that's the wrong word for it, but they've sort of undone the yellow face acting because I don't think any of these characters look anything like the actors that played the part. I don't think that I don't think they've undone it. Um, I mean, I, I, I didn't recognize Norman Jones, but then I, I just as a, a kind of general point about the quality of the way in which they have rendered the actors or, or the, or the kind of the uh, authenticity is the wrong word, but the, the kind of, um, the, I guess the style in which they have rendered the actors. 
meant that even for Travers, who obviously I know is played by Jack Watling, who I have watched, albeit in old man makeup in five episodes of The Web of Fear, and and obviously the, the, the surviving episode of this, I don't think he looked anything like him in the animations. And Not so, really, no. You know, give me a give me a still frame where you can't hear his voice and go, who's that supposed to be? I would not have gone, hey, that's Jack Watling. So I don't think it's entirely about undoing the yellow face. And I think that there is also a limit to how much you could possibly undo it. Um, so I think that I think there may be that they're, they're, they're using a kind of gray area where they can, within the style that they're doing, make these actors look a little bit more like they are actual Tibetan monks. But there's a, there's a, there's a kind of limit beyond which that you just get the massive cognitive dissonance from the fact that you can hear that they are played by English actors, you know, it could be English Tibetan actors, English Tibetan. Yeah. But yeah, they, they don't, they don't sound like, there. Fortunately, they are not putting on the accents or trying no. to, as far as I could tell, which, you know, that's just a function of the TARDIS, but um, translating for them so that well, it, Jamie and Victoria yeah. can understand it. Why not see why they're all speaking like Jamie then? But yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> we, yeah, we could, we could get, we could go deeply into the TARDIS translator and accents in you know, <laughs> Doctor Who and the consistency or lack thereof. Um, but I thought the Abbott was the worst of the bunch in terms of, I, I did watch the one remaining episode. I, I watched the, uh, I watched mm-hmm. the animations. Uh, when I, when I got to the end of episode two animation, I switched back and I said, I'm just going to watch it again as, as aired to see if I have any thoughts, which is basically where my only thoughts. And the first was, yeah, okay. The yellow face is much worse watching the live version much much worse but you mean the abbot in particular yes all of it that that the abbot in particular but all of it yeah yeah i would agree better in the animation but the abbot's like this big roly ruddy faced fat english guy (laughs) it's like okay yeah it's like when that one's uh, bad connery goes japanese and you only live twice yes and it's like they haven't even bothered (laughs) but i don't know whether that's better or worse in some ways yeah, so um, well, the Sean Connery's supposed to be a white guy playing a Japanese guy in that. So <laughs> if you animate, yeah, that, except everyone else believes still would have to look Japanese, bad, which is no, yeah, no, very large, hairy Japanese. But <laughs> so I mean that that was one distinction that I thought. Okay, I said, well, this I think maybe this might help for an audience watching it because it's just not as obviously. It's still as you say, the voices underneath, but it's not as bad as watching episode, watching episode two. I cringed a bit, you know, it's like, Oh yeah. I think it takes the edge off. I think it takes the edge off. And strangely enough, I thought watching the first two animated episodes, I was like, Oh yeah. You know, this monastery probably looks a lot more impressive in the animations than it does in the, in the live action because I understand the, the limitations of budget. And they seem to have not bothered with that. In some cases, like in um, 
evil of the Daleks, they recreated that little tri-color cafe and three dimensionals and pretty accurately. But looking mm-hmm. at the set, I'm thinking they're not doing it. They probably did not do this very accurately because it's it's bound to be small and cramped and crowded. What I was surprised at is how effective the moody atmospheric cinematography was and direction in the live one. It was better than I thought it would be, but obviously it's much it's much tighter. But you know, it, it's it's dark, it's shadowy, it's got it's got uh, patches of light and dark. It, it's not just a very dull, flatly lit uh, studio. It, it's 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 kind of nice looking yeah, for I, what it I, is. I think. Yeah, no, I I think it's very well done. I mean, I'm interested now. The question is rising in my head because you 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 know you sat down and watched the animation first, and then you watched the live action. Which one did you prefer? Because you've highlighted some of the advantages of the of the animation, um, but you were also and it, and it sounded almost as if you were expecting to prefer the animation, and then you were surprised to find some virtues in the live action one. But I was in the, surprised in the kind of that... ultimate. In the in the end, which one did I prefer? I would, if they could restore the find the entire serial, the original. I would be perfectly fine if the animation disappeared off the face of the earth. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't watch it and go. You know, that's so much better. I it, it is still kind of filling a gap. What I was surprised is that how how much craftsmanship was in the uh, the the one that that survives um, trying to compensate for the, for the deficiencies. And one, th- and there is one thing that the other, the last thing I have on it, I think, yes, eh, not last thing, close to the last thing. It is much, much clearer in the live version, what the doctor is doing when Jamie says, I've got a plan to capture. And, and the doctor is sorry, like Victoria, let's go. Discretion is a better part of our let's go somewhere else. But it's much clearer that the doctor is playing a sort of, oh, my God, Jamie's got a plan. Everyone run. It's much clearer in the real version, <laughs> even though the words are there. So in that case, that is superior. Yeah, I I, I mean, I have a I, so I mean, I think my attitude towards the animation in this is that I I like it. Um, you know, we've we've disagreed at times over style of animation and what's good and what's not this is this is solid it feels to me like i can happily watch the the animated episodes and generally speaking i can follow what's going on i i think there are moments where it is a little unclear but they've generally i mean given that they're working with the soundtrack that they've got and and the limits of the animation. I think they've they've generally handled that very well. And there are some interesting things that I, I think we can come on to about where they have kind of left behind some of the limits that were associated with a, a studio-bound production. But I definitely prefer watching the, the live action, you know, even despite the additional cringe of the kind of yellow face stuff. And I agree with you. I think that there is a lot of craftsmanship in the way this episode is filmed, but fundamentally the thing, and I think this probably applies to all of the animation. So it's a, it's a kind of reasonable reflection to, to kind of sum up now, as we get to the end of them, it's not being able to see the actors and the actors performances that 
I'm most disappointed about. And there's a hierarchy to that. It's everything that Patrick Troughton does that I want to see at the top yeah. of the pile. Um, and then, you know, maybe Jamie and, and Victoria and, and perhaps some of the guest stars, but that's, you know, I don't necessarily know as much what I'm missing. But it's Troughton right. in particular because of that face and those expressions and just the that form. I would, man, yeah. I would just love to see his performance across all six episodes of this. I, I you know, I, I was thinking about that um, again, because of, of the way he does the whole, let's get out of here, Victoria. Jamie's got a plan. Mm-hmm. It is the physicality of the way he walks away and, and the way he, he and, and that doesn't happen in the animated version. And I look back and I said, so in the invasion, which they switched back and forth, right? Yes. We have the we have the famous scene where he's hopping away from the Cybermen guns, you know, doing the bouncing. Yes, in, in one of the around. How would that look in animation? I'm thinking <laughs> terrible. Yeah. You could never do it. You could never do it. Right. But then and um, maybe had... that was the, the thinking of the scene that they cut behind in the macro terror, wasn't it? I the, I the, that was the rough and tumble to do with his clothes, but yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't directly. I think it was more of a technical thing than than necessarily Troughton's performance and rendering that. But it was a it was a choice about saying actually they couldn't do this in animation, so they didn't bother. And in a way, you'd have had to do something. I mean, if you were animating that scene in the invasion, you'd have wanted to keep that seek that part of the chase sequence in but you couldn't have had the the avatar kind of hopping around like that because it would have looked rubbish you'd have had to have him making yeah. some other more achievable motions in in the animation that match the sound one thing that i thought was very strange i watched them with the subtitles on because you know i just do the modern and <laughs> they're not the same from <laughs> from one to the other for the animated to the live there was oh, one really? in particular. There was it, it's a trivial thing. The first scene where the abbot talks to Padma Sambhava, and the abbot or the Padma Sambhava is, is switching back and forth between his uh, very end, and then the, the 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 scary evil voice in the live version. I believe my notes are correct. The first time he does that, in parentheses, it says sinister (laughs) and i think it says whispering in the animated version or it says nothing at all and i that did kind of go well that's i don't know that i thought that was sinister when i first heard it the first time odd but i know that i would have gone with sinister but when they put the word in front of you this is sinister it's like oh yeah okay oh i like that but it's odd that they, why why would they not just do the subtitles once and lay them down over the other one? There can't be that big of a discrepancy in the in the timing that they couldn't make that work easier than redoing the subtitles entirely. Odd. No, I think I think I think it, if if it's uh, if it's if it's come about as a deliberate choice rather than just a kind of uh, an accidental difference. It's probably because there are there is different visual information in the animation. So, and, and obviously, the subtitles are not just transcribing the audio; they are 
including as you know as you've picked up elements within the audio so they're not just transcribing the words there's meaning there in the in the soundtrack which could be additional noises but could also be the tone in which words are spoken that need to be conveyed and if that information is being conveyed some other way in the visuals then maybe one or the other subtitles wouldn't need it i don't know i didn't actually I didn't have the subtitles on for any of it, so I didn't. I don't have that comparison to make, but that would be my guess. The last thing, truly the last thing I have to say about the animation is just, and it has to do with the characters again, is Padma Sambhava. He's not in the live version. He's hidden, so you can't see yeah, what he looks yeah. like, but you can go online and you can see what he looks like. And, you know... He's... Well, you can look in the recons. I mean, he there, there are yeah. telly snaps no. for the scenes with... I'm him. not going to watch that. <laughs> but... That's not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, it's nothing, nothing like one is an emaciated, that the animated is an emaciated eye glowing creature, which frankly is a better look. Uh, And the other one is a a bloated, overly caked down with makeup guy. Yes. Yes. Animation, better choice. But again, interesting that they just decided to chuck the character design and go with something different. Yes. And yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of the thing that in a way interests me about the choices that have been made in this animation and why I think, you know, even if, even if, you know, wonderfully they managed to recover all the other episodes of The Abominable Snowman, it would still be interesting to have the animation. Um because of the choices that they have made that do diverge. And so you've touched on the way in which the sets of the monastery kind of open things up a bit more. And there, you know, I've described the animation as solid. I actually think it, I, th- I think it's, um, it's pretty nice looking animation, particularly if you watch the black and white versions. There's also the choice to make the Himalayas look a bit more like the Himalayas and a bit less like a hillside in Wales. Okay. I, I think we can agree that that's a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, there's nothing nothing against the, the kind of live action version. I could live with that, but it does just jolt you out of it a little bit, particularly after you've, you know, you've kind of got used to the studio stuff, which as you say, they've they've managed to make quite atmospheric just by, shooting it close but there's nothing you can do with the welsh hillside that you certainly can't put a big tall mountain like. behind it yeah yeah but he, but even if it's a close-up shot it just it, it's it's never going to fool you it's never going to fool you and i i think although this is getting much more into the realms of speculation but the you know the the padma sand padma sambava <laughs> look without without at that point having watched any of the recons i was looking at it going that's clearly not how it would have looked in the original. And, you know, indeed we have, yep. we have that in the recon and it, and it proves that it doesn't and less difficult to, to check, but some of them, the kind of special effects like Padna Samovar levitating. Mm-hmm. So some of the, I, I did get very curious, particularly because we, because I was kind of expecting cobwebs at some point because familiarity with the web of fear. Yeah, we have this. We have the scenes where, I mean, we didn't really get any cobwebs. I thought, but there was a suggestion of that in the scenes where the the kind of lines, whatever they are, this kind of the tendrils set of 
tendrils if yeah okay so they're they're kind of being extruded from the the magic pyramid and in a in a in a way that suggests a special effect that they couldn't have realized in right you know 1968 or whenever this this serial was yeah and so i so i had a little look in the the recons and i want to come back to the the recons just briefly and the way in which that's realized in the recons is completely different. So they've got these these kind of Web of Fear style tendrils going on in the new animations. But you go back to the recons and it's a kind of porridge effect. And I, d- I don't have an a- access or I haven't looked at the the kind of shooting scripts to see whether there are whether they're following um, very kind of detailed clues about how this would have looked or whether they're just completely guessing but obviously what we would have seen on screen would have been nothing like what we saw in the animation here you know uh one thing that i thought was interesting and it's clearly been added by the team there is a scene where they look up at the mountain and the the mountain's glowing green and they go it's covering the whole mountain now i think it's jamie that says it but earlier in the episode after the thing has started growing, there is a scene where people are walking through the mountains and they make no notice of the fact that there is a small glowing patch up there on the mountain. It's much smaller than later on when it's covering the mountain, but it is there in the background of the big mountain. And I thought that's a nice touch, but you know, it wasn't there because there are no big mountains in the background <laughs> because they're, Indeed. they're in a pass in Wales. So, uh, you know, and then of course there's no dialogue to mention it. It's later on that they said, "I, I, I promised it was the last thing with the animation." But this this whole thought did bring one thought to my mind because we did discuss the the, the rough and tumble machine in in uh, Macro Terror mm-hmm. where they couldn't do it, and part of, or and we thought maybe uh, one of the arguments is that they would have to redo the character of Troughton because clean, neat, not you know, and that's time and effort and money. They created a wrong Yeti for this, for a two or three second scene. They created a white Sasquatch looking Yeti for the end of this episode. But if you look at the telesnaps, it appears that that scene where they see the Yeti, it is just another Yeti costume climbing up the side of a hill or something, which makes, you know, that's what you would do. It's like, we're not building another costume. Just use one of the Yeti costumes and and get a shot in the distance up the hill. But yet they went to that for the animation, for that two or three second scene. And it's like, well, don't tell me you couldn't have done the rough and tumble machine. No, or, uh, I no, I don't think it's not technically a, impossible for you to have done that. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I think I think. Again, I, I I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I I think just from my basic knowledge of the animation process, you're talking about a, a whole different order of magnitude, and I think I think there's a there's an interesting choice here in that they have decided to do something divergent, and yes, perhaps that is slightly more effort. I still think it's minimal, but I I thought it was quite an effective choice. I don't know whether, again, they went back to the original intention and that this was something that, you know, in terms of the original production, where actually it probably would have been a lot more cost and effort to create a whole new costume for 
for the for the kind of three seconds. Yeah, but you could have just sprayed. I thought it worked. White, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's. I mean, the, I. This isn't really about anything further about the animation. I think I've also exhausted everything that I've got on that. But we have talked a bit about the recons, and mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a that's something I haven't seen before i haven't looked at these recons before um i'm not entirely sure where they came from but when we looked at galaxy 4 we yeah. uh, you know we did the recons and then we did the animation um and we and we we kind of commented on the animation that existed within the recons there so we saw just mentioned the the animation in the recons here which i i found quite distracting i in a way when you were sort of talking about the underwater menace i was thinking well yeah it's it's not a great reconstruction but it's certainly not unwatchable and in some ways if they do go ahead and animate the the underwater menace in hopefully some future run of of animations they'll maybe have a reconstruction that is more of a you know more of a contrast um it's a different kind of watching experience because you're you're forced with with the kind of the telesnaps to listen more to the audio because you're seeing the same image the same telesnap for several seconds at a time um but the, the recon like minutes on this, but yeah well all right you know it's it's <laughs> it, it it is a period of time on on this they're going too far the other way i think it's it's cutting back and forth between the telesnap of so-and-so speaks and then so-and-so speaks but then they're also cutting in these animations and i don't know where what the provenance of these animations are they're they're kind of principally around the yeti um but they have other characters in them and that's jarring you know we've talked about this i haven't watched back from animation to live action or in this case to live you know to a photo to a say photo realistic it's for actual photo it's a realistic photo so yeah I, i i i didn't feel that these these recons were particularly watchable. Certain, certainly, I mean, they're never really going to be preferable to an animation, I don't think. But it's interesting sometimes to dive in and see what the things actually looked like. So to see some of the telesnaps. And for certain key scenes, like when the pyramid in the, in the cave slash mine is extruding stuff and it, it looks like porridge you think well i'd rather have had a telesnap of what this mm-hmm. looks like and even you know even with the, the they're obviously focused on re- animating the the yeti but yeah i mean obviously that's because doing the yeti is easier but i'm not sure they looked <laughs> i i mean i guess it depends when they were done but it's they looked a bit like hairy adipose to me it didn't <laughs> yeah quite work as as yeti so i I'm not quite sure that I see a huge amount of value in having having those on the disc as well. And I, in a way, I'd rather have just had the soundtrack accompanied by whatever telesnaps they could have assembled. Um, okay. Uh, since since I put it together, I'm just going to bring it out here and say that looking at the list of things that has been done and has not been done, so that we can definitively say where we are here at the end of the recreations... Series one of Doctor Who had two missing stories, Marco Polo and Reign of Terror. Reign of Terror mm-hmm. done, Marco Polo not. So there's just one to do to finish that off. 
Yes, just it's one. seven episodes. Very difficult one. This one, dead difficult. They did the end. It's the difficult. It's like, I, yeah. That's just a lack of creativity. Series two only has one missing, The Crusade. And it's only two episodes missing. That's a difficult one. It's like, difficult because they have to do a bit more drawing? No, di- well, di- according anyway. to Charles Norton, the, the, the difficulty is because they have a lot of characters in with a lot of costumes. So they're creating a lot more or rigging a lot more um, different characters for the same amount. But, so what, what appears to be just two episodes actually is not, is not the equivalent of doing two episodes, say, of Power of the Daleks. And I suspect actually, actually the you know the fact that we we have talked about that that we're getting a lot of quote unnecessary animation that they're animating mm. more they're animating the episodes that survive so more than they need to 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 complete an episode and yes partly that is the part of the the kind of the business plan for being able to sell these to BBC America as full color serials but I suspect it's also partly because it's the nature of Doctor Who, isn't it? They made they at the time they made these, they made a set and then they reused it for six episodes of a serial because that was a lot cheaper than making a new set for every week. And likewise for the animators, they get to to take advantage of that economy because they can draw a single set and draw a a, a set of you know, instead as with the original, they'd have only had to costume the actors you know for the whole story rather than for six different stories so it is that they're that they're having to draw and rig only one set of characters for six episodes so in a way it's possible that it's less important how many episodes are missing and more important how complicated the story is that they're they're having to recreate and I'm, pre- I'm, 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 pretty, I'm pretty sure that Charles Norton mentioned Marco Polo, the Crusades and the Highlanders. And, but technology improves, techniques improve, time goes by. Yeah. They're, they're, oh, yeah. Is, no, I, th- it's I a, think it's a crime that they've not done the Crusade for this box set that's coming out. I mean, this is just it, it's just it's madness. It's, it's madness. Well, and I, if they come along I and do the animation later, it's going to piss a lot of people off. That is not goodwill there. I, I, so, I mean, I think that there's, there's, a, there's one entitled viewpoint you could take that they, they should have done this, but the reality is the budget's got to come from somewhere. I think there's also the fact that what you just said about technology changing and improving is very true. And in a way, I, I have really changed my tune since the last time we did a last of the animations thing. I am now pretty confident that you are right when you say, yes, we will see the Crusades and Marco Polo and the, and, uh, Marco Polo and the Highlanders recreated at some point. But it shouldn't piss people off. You know, it, it's like you we will get we will get the Crusades and that will be better than not having the Crusades. You know, that's what it comes down to. Let me run through the others real quick. Um, and then we can spend five minutes talking about the actual story um, <laughs> of the abominable snowman. Uh, series three is in a terrible state. 
Missing is Galaxy 4, Mission to the Unknown, The Myth Makers, The Daleks, Master Plan, The Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve, The Celestial Toymaker, The Savages. Only one of those has been done. That's Galaxy 4. Uh, uh, like, if you actually, <clears throat> uh, there's still like 25 episodes, if you were just animating episodes to, to cover that season. Series 4, Okay. Missing episodes, The Smugglers, The Tenth Planet, The Power of the Daleks, The Highlanders, The Underwater Menace, The Moon Base, The Macro Terror, The Faceless Ones, The Evil of the Daleks. That's a lot of episodes, and they've done six of them. Six out of nine. Six stories. I, I mean, six stories out of nine. Yeah. So we're just left with The Smugglers, The Highlanders, and The Underwater Menace. I hate to say it. I mean, I'd rather see the Highlanders, but I think the underwater menace is a far more likely one because it's a fantasy one instead of the, the smugglers series five. This one's really crying out too: the abominable snowmen, the ice warriors, the web of fear, fury from the deep, the wheel in space. And all of them, except the wheel of space have been done. It's like, and even that finish that been done. Right, there's been a little bit of that done, and and BritBox in the U.S. at least put together their own animated eh, recreation snap version years ago when they put Wheel in Space out there. I don't know if the British BritBox has it, but the Wheel in Space is up there. I have watched it and incomplete, and it wasn't a terrible recreation, uh, but there are four episodes missing in that in that instance. So, but you know, come on. Wheel in Space, a Cyberman story for crying out loud. Get it done. Get that out on Blu-ray, that box set. And then Series 6, um, The Invasion, The Space Pirates. Um, the Invasion's been done. The Space Pirates has not been done. And yeah, Space Pirates is at least a spacey one. I know it's universally derided, but you know it's, it, is, it is not historical. They're, they're, they're close on some of these. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to imagine that anyone having enthusiasm for animating that. But why is Series 3 so devastated? You know, uh, the Dalek Master Plan and all that stuff. Why, why is that one? They've just ignored that completely, practically. In Galaxy 4. You mean in terms of, of the, you know, the, Doing, the effort uh, yeah. to reanimate? Well, yeah. I think that's quite, that's quite an interesting one because... Um, the, this recent run of animation seems to have focused particularly on Troughton stories. Mm, true. I wonder if Trout, Troughton sells better. It's Probably. an easier sell to me. Like, I mean, I, Troughton stories are just better. Yeah, I mean, they're just better. They, I, I like Troughton's performance. I like the, the character more. Um, I like the companions. It's, it's much more appealing. There's also something else about this recent run of animations, which more more applies, I think, to the the kind of Anne Marie Walsh animations than than the others, which is that they really focused on a particular run. In that, you know, they're all they're all those season four ones, and obviously, the Power of the Daleks mm. um, was was slightly sort of standalone. But then, towards the end of the season, Macroterra, the Faceless Ones. And the evil of the Daleks gives you a solid run of 17 episodes, bam, 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 one mm -hmm. after the other, that they have all animated and they have animated in a very comparable style. So I haven't done this yet, but I would like to sit down and just 
watch all of those together to get a sense of because obviously there were small advances as you know as you would expect as they learned from one to another and as time went went on and processes got faster because it took a year from one to the next that 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 the improvements were made but nevertheless it's it's a very comparable and recognizable house style and i think those are the ones where you know by and large i think the color has not been done that well but those are the exceptions for me those are the ones where i'd actually go yeah you know what i might watch those ones in color for preference so I'm, I, there's a, there's just one interesting thing before we before we move on from the kind of wild speculation about what what might happen with animations in the future i just i can't i can't help wondering because obviously they were doing flip-flop they were doing one with the with the the kind of Anne-Marie Walsh team and one with the big Finnish team each year and so we obviously got the the abominable snowmen from big Finnish we should have if they carried on we should have got another Anne-Marie Walsh one I wonder what it would have been you know you've just been running through who did the wheel in space who did who did the stuff for wheel in space that would be the team I would expect but they I don't think they would I don't think they would do it again. I, I, I mean, I, I did wonder if it would be another in the in the series in this season four um, run, but obviously that it, they they couldn't do it consecutive with the other ones they'd done. Presumably, they wouldn't bother to redo the moon base, especially as that's a rather superior animation already. So I would have wondered whether they would have gone for maybe the Highlanders or the Underwater Menace, and like you say, possibly the Underwater Menace is the easier. Yeah, and uh, and they look a lot better if they're not swimming on wires. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Uh, turning to the episode, I, I'm just going to say I enjoyed it, but as as one of the classics that everyone is, oh, the abominable snowman. It's like I thought Web of Fear was much much better. <laughs> I had exactly the same reaction. So the. I mean, the fact that I'm I'm really quite familiar with Web of Fear, I th- think it was I mean, certainly among the first Doctor Who stories I ever saw, although obviously I only saw one episode of it. But we, you know, we have done it twice for the podcast, apart from anything else. So I've <laughs> yeah. seen it a few times and I I really, really like it. And that kind of set expectations high for The Abominable Snowmen because you were thinking, yeah. well, it's the sequel you know, the Abominable Snowmen was obviously so good that they almost straight away put into production a follow-up story to it. And it's good, but it doesn't have anything like the kind of the urgency of no. Web of Fear. It doesn't have that kind of immediacy. The doesn't feel like it's it. there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the, the 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 London Underground setting feels very kind of immediate and recognisable, whereas in the yeah in the I, yeah I guess it is partly about the threat, as you say, up in the the Himalayas, they're all in this monastery, but and the Yeti is somewhere else, and yet yeah, the Yeti come to the monastery and smash a few things up at one point, but there's always the feeling that the worst that could happen would be oh the monks all have to leave the monastery, exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, yeah, okay, the whole planet's going to be taken over and that's the threat for the doctor, but that's not the threat for the monks. Mm-hmm. The monks really could feel like I just leave and 
we don't want to do that, but you know, we just walk down the mountain. The the Yeti don't feel that menacing. No, they don't, they don't seem like they're that fast. So you just walk away, and all right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna walk a different direction. And the whole notion of them being controlled with a the little mini figs doesn't make you feel like that. Padmasam Mava has really got a way to chase people, right? I mean, he's just sort of like playing stratego there, and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna yeah put it in front of the monastery, and then they'll come to the monastery." And <laughs> so, he, so he doesn't yeah, have one of the doctors to say, "Now chase the doctor" or anything. Yeah, it's it, it, it's definitely more like chess than table football. Yeah, it's not a lot happens in in the episode. Yes, there's you know there are some Yeti. We're afraid of the Yeti. There's a mystery about the Yeti, but it just really hasn't got a lot of, uh, and I, and I just wonder if maybe well, it's rec, you know, would have been much better with the performances, perhaps the performances, uh, particularly of Troughton made this, uh, that's what well, nags hope, me in the I, back of my mind. I hope we find out. I mean, I think there are, there are yeah, a couple of things I can think of. I mean, one is the fact that, it's the novelty that we hadn't seen the Yeti before. We didn't. And the, the, again, watching this now, the concept of the great intelligence is something because it's been, you know, used in subsequent stories. And so we're kind of very familiar with it. The novelty of it, the idea of it would perhaps have been much more chilling and much more interesting. So there's, there's that. And then there's the fact that although the Yeti may have been, you know, quite a, I guess a kind of eye-catching villain worth bringing back just from their appearance in this, and and they are, you know, I think the Yeti are a, are a good villain. I think that where they work most effectively in this episode is when they are trapped in the mine, and yeah. that is the basis for Web of Fear. It's right. What if the Yeti? What if you were always facing the Yeti in tunnels? And then you take it onto the underground. Yeah. So I, I you can see that's... this. You can see the seeds of it there, and you can see you can see where where people may have gone. Wow, that you know that particular scene, that particular aspect of it is very memorable, and we want more of that. And maybe that was it, rather than the serial as a whole. I don't know. I I, I kind of feel like I'm giving this serial a short shrift, but it's. I'm going to say I, I I'm very happy to have it, and I'm. I'm pleased and I liked it better than anything that happened in the last actual season of Doctor Who. But, you know, it's kind of filler. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know I don't know if that's true for me, but I I did I liked it. I think a lot of it is filler, but it was it was in itself a kind of nicely diverting story, uh, some nice performances in it. You you have to if you can you have to kind of set aside the racism as of its time, and one of the one of the things that surprised at me least they aren't awful it, about it. At least they are awful about the racism, and I, and I I'm not trying to excuse no. it. I mean, yellow face acting is yellow face acting, but it's not the same as Talons of Wen Chiang, where they are all portrayed as evil menaces. This you know this is yeah, just indeed these are well, people here, and we didn't earlier, have the yeah. actors to hire them. Yeah. You if 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 you if you animated Talons of Wang Chai, I, I it they'd still, still be bad. It still wouldn't fix it. Yeah, I, I you know I I, I don't th- I don't think it quite fixes it here. You know the fact that you have Caucasian voices over 
some of it. I, you know, I, I, I guess your mileage may, may vary in terms of how much you, you can or are able to, to, to kind of detach yourself from that and focus on other episode, other aspects of the episode that work. One of the, the aspects of this episode that did work a lot better for me was the way that Victoria was written because you know i've talked in other stories about how much i like deborah watling and how much i hate the the character of victoria who is just mm-hmm. so wet and helpless by and large whereas in this she has much more spunk than we usually see yep you know particularly in faking a poisoning and then locking her guard in in the room and running away and then running a mock round the the monastery while all the monks are chasing her that's you know, if we'd had more Victoria like that, I would be hugely more positive about the character. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Although, you know, she is fulfilling a, a function that is basically just wasting time. And I'm and I'm not not putting it down. I mean, that it's just it, it ultimately does not really accomplish much of anything at all during the course of this episode. It is just more of the running up and down the mountain. Well, it is, but that's story. you know that's yeah. not to do with the way the character is written. That's to do with the no, 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 no. the plot as a whole and the pl- and the part she plays in it. And I, I just like her being, I like, I like her being smart, and I like her being brave. And you know, a lot of the time she is portrayed as not really either of those things. And since you know, there's not much else to her, the character can right. be a bit of a you know, a, a wet blanket, to be honest. Yeah. No, I, I I absolutely concur with that. So she's not consistently written. I'm wondering, was she was she that way in Web of Fear? I don't remember. Because I don't really remember what she did in Web of Fear, except sit around and... I feel like she sat around and whined about finding the Doctor all the time. I'm pretty sure that we... Well, I, I complained about her in Web of Fear. I... I, I can't really remember saying anything very positive about her before yeah all right do you have anything else on this episode no i think that's uh that's it from me well there there we go <laughs> um i you know i mean i hate to say it because i don't really buy into the reconstructions but i'm sure we will do the crusade when it comes out with a series two box set just like we did the underwater I... menace Yes, indeed. As so. as as with last time round, when the animations came to an end, we moved yep. on to recons. So, yep, that is what mm. we must content ourselves with for the meantime. For the time being, yes. All right, uh, Simon. Thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Fusion Patrol, we hope you'll consider supporting us at patreon.com slash fusionpatrol or buymeacoffee.com slash fusionpatrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently doing a special series on Season 2 of Babylon 5. There's over a decade of previous episodes available at fusionpatrol.com. Come join the conversation on our website or Twitter. You can also find some of our other works at soundcloud.com slash fusion patrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.